Show number 200 of the SBI show is finally here, and we have plenty to talk about with guest interviews, U.S. Men's National Team, MLS Week 4, and plenty more. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. What's cracking, man? Nothing much, Garrett. Like you said, it's a crazy, uh, crazy week. I mean, it, it seems like every week there's just a ton to talk about, but this weekend... Uh, within, like you said, national team, MLS, we have uh, NASL around the corner, uh, you name it, it's going on right now, so we're going to try to get to as much of it as possible, and we have a few guests lined up for our episode 200. Before before we take anything too seriously, though, Ivis, let's, let's take a minute and just recognize the fact that you and I have hit episode 200 as we enter year three of the SBI show. I mean, that's 199 more episodes than I thought it was going to last. Yeah, I mean it's two hundred. I w- yeah, I mean two hundred went by pretty fast. I mean, I don't know if we're gonna get to three hundred, but oh, it's, stop it's, it! You always been, say that. It's been uh, it's been good, man. It's been it's been it's a good run. I mean, you know, we've had our, our obstacles and hurdles, but it's uh, it's gone well. And uh, you know, we definitely want to thank everybody who's listened to the show and 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 supported us. The the numbers have been pretty good, and uh, you know, hopefully we can you know step it up and and start uh, improving the product. Uh, I know that was one of the goals uh, after episode one hundred and. Uh, you know what? That that's going to be the goal for the next. Uh, after we go beyond 200, where you know, hopefully we can we can uh, improve. I I think this I think this show is pretty good given our setup. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing, man. It's you know, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll look, figure, look, we, 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 we can, got a way to go. Eh, well, look, people can complain. We got a 1980 setup. I it's like the Matrix. But it's fine though. It's fine. We've improved the quality of the show. We will go on. Uh, <clears throat> we did not have a show last week, so we did not have an opportunity to talk about the U.S. Men's National Team. Three to two loss to Denmark. We made Nicholas Bettner look like an absolute stud at the end of the game um, with his match-winning goal very late in the second half, which kind of brings up this concern, Ivis, that everyone's now seen over the last last year for the U.S. men's national team. These these late goals that the U.S. is giving up. You have a lot of guys, Ivis, that that had some good games. You have a lot of guys that didn't have good games. But I mean, how concerning is this to you? that the U.S. continues to give up goals late in matches. To me, the friendlies, I don't care that much, but is it really a big cause for concern at this point? I don't know if it's a big, I don't know if it's panic time, uh, because when it comes down to it, uh, Klinsman's experimenting, and he loves to experiment, um, and he, he's, it's, he's trying to figure out who can play in what positions, who he can count on, who deserves to continue on in a role with the team. Um, so from that standpoint, you kind of, you see that he, 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 as much as he won't just outright say it, he doesn't care about these results. He really doesn't because if he did, he would call in different people. He would really try to stick closer to what is his strongest team. But obviously he's, he's taking this different approach where, you know, he, he calls in the, a nucleus of his best and then builds around that with guys that, that he wants to test out and see if they can handle the, the, the level. And we saw it against Denmark, and it just wasn't good enough. The, the, that performance was was just not good enough at all. And, and you know, you can point to, to things that Klinsman did wrong there it's in, as far as playing guys out of position. Uh, one of the funnier things was, was Breck Shea in that, you know, he played him. He, he's the guy who moved him to left back. And everyone's like, oh, he's not a left back. What are you doing? Why are you making him a left back? And then Orlando City makes him a left back. He's playing well as a left back in MLS. And then Klinsman plays him in the midfield. So was, I thought that was pretty hilarious. Um, but, I mean, for me, what I went, what, what I take away from that, that Denmark game is a lot of players got their opportunity to shine, their opportunity to impress, and they didn't. And uh, Klinsman does deserve some blame. But at, at a certain point, the play, if you're a player, you need to produce. You need to – Take full advantage of the opportunity, and I think not. I think not enough guys did that. 
I mean, you're talking about guys like Greg Garza, Jesse Zardis. Um, I thought Fabian Johnson did not have a good game. I mean, what, what? I mean, what's going on, Ivis? I mean, these are guys that we're looking at for the future of the U.S. men's national team. That that they have their moments. They they have their. Oh my gosh, this could be the guy that could fill this role. And then they have games like this where you're just like, man, he's not ready for the international stage at all. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you have to be a little careful. Also, I mean, it's easy to kind of. Uh, overreact on one game and and, and kind of you know one way or the other. I mean, a guy like Greg Garza. I mean, I think he's played enough good games where, you know, if he has a shaky performance, you, you don't want to necessarily jump on him and say, oh, he's not good enough, right? Because I mean, here's a guy who was injured fairly recently. He uh, you know, he missed time. He came back. Um, so I wonder how sharp he was, right? Uh, just from that standpoint. So I, I'm not gonna, you know, a guy like that, I'm not gonna, uh, you know, jump on and say the guy's not good enough. Because for me, I think he still is. I still think he is your top left back choice. But someone like Jesse's artist comes into this game, and I know, it, you know, it, it's funny. He played well against Panama, and everyone raved. Uh, and then he struggled against Denmark, and then all of a sudden, everyone was like, "Oh, well, he shouldn't be playing on the, uh, in that position anyway." But that's where he played. Is all he should be playing forward. Um, he just didn't play well. He didn't play well. And, uh, you know, again, it's the first time, the first game against that higher level of competition. So even with Zardis, I'm not going to throw him out, throw, say, oh, let's throw out, throw him out of the mix. He's not a, he doesn't merit to be in the conversation. But, you know, you have to look at that. And if anything, that calms people down and says, and, and for the people who are like, oh, Jossie's artist is the answer, you know, he he's going to be the guy. I mean, I, I even myself, like I, I look, when I looked at it, I was like, oh, maybe he could be an answer. I think he still has a ways to go. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there were, th- those were just a couple. Timmy Chandler's one where I got to say, he, 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 he makes me scratch my head sometimes because here's a guy who when you see him play on the club level, when you watch him in the Bundesliga, the guy, the guy can play. The guy – the guy plays well, but then with the national team, I mean, I feel like he hasn't done well with the national team since Bob Bradley, since since like before Klinsman or, 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 you know, it's been a long time, I feel like. I mean, maybe I'm just not thinking of a, of a game, but he's had some really bad games uh, for the national team, and this was one of them. And I know he had the assist on the Josie goal, Josie Altador goal, but I, I don't know, man. I, I was left scratching my head. Hey, speaking of Josie Altador, though, I mean, for all the shade that <clears throat> people have been throwing on him, I mean, he had a good game, Ivis, against Denmark. He did well. I mean, for me, the the two bright spots were, were Josie Altador and uh, Michael Bradley. Michael Bradley showed his quality again. He wore the captain's armband, which I think, you know, has been, you know, it, it's always seemed inevitable that one day he will be the captain. And there were definitely some doubt of would he ever be the captain for Klinsman since there's always been, you've always felt like there's just something there between these two. Uh, but Bradley's done enough to, to earn earn Klinsman's trust to wear the armband, and he wore it well. He played really well. And as for Altidore, you see a player who's playing, who's confident, who's who, mm-hmm. you know, his move to Toronto has kind of helped reinstill some of the confidence that he's he lost obviously when he was in England with Sunderland, and he looks, uh, you know, he looks better. He looks he looks like that Altidore that we've seen on the national team uh, p- play really well. So you know that that's obvious. I think that's a really good sign. I mean, aside from all the negatives. You love seeing – if you're a U.S. fan, you have to love the fact that your target forward uh, is, is in mm-hmm. is in good form heading into this uh, important part of the year. Do you think the haters will finally get off Josie Altidore? No. I mean, you know what? Here's the thing, right? Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Everyone's entitled to question how good he is. When he puts – when he gets back into a role, uh, a run where he just dominates an entire tournament – uh, and, and just de- and just puts that puts that performance out there where people have to give him his credit. 
Uh, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with people being skeptical, you know, because here he is. He's going to have the Gold Cup. If he goes into the Gold Cup, he wins Golden Boot, he leads the team to the title, then then people, yes, then people have to, people should back off. But uh, at this point, I'm not ready to say, oh, you know, he, you know, he scores this one goal in friendly, and all of a sudden people should should you know be saying he's great and and forget everything that happened in the last couple of years. I'm not going to go that far. But what I'm saying is, I see a guy who looks confident again, uh, or who is re- regaining that lost confidence. And a confident Altador is a good player. As much as I know, people want to rip on Altador and call him you know dozy Altador, and he can't finish. <laughs> and they remember the awful time at Sunderland. Uh, and want to you know kind of just label him as that player for the rest of his career. He is better than he he is much better than he showed again uh, when he was at Sunderland. He's much better than, than than a lot of people give him credit for being. Now it's up to him to show that. It's up for him. It's up to him to to go into that Gold Cup, tear up the Gold Cup, and, and I think then if he does that, then people will back off of it. And a confident Josie Altador can do that. Ivis, we have a, a now special guest jumping on the show with us, coming all the way from Europe. Is ESPN's Doug McIntyre is going to help us preview the Switzerland match. Doug, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Pretty good, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm honored to be on the 200 show, so thank you very much. Now, of course, had to be you, you had had to be you. We had to get you on. You're the first non-SBI journalist on the show, and we used to have a no journalist rule. And if we were going to break that rule, it had to, it had to be my guy, Doug. For people who don't know, Doug is uh, one of my best friends in the biz. He's one of the best guys in the business. So we we had to get you on to, to get your knowledge. And you're also in Switzerland, so we got to get your take. How are things out there? What, what's the state of the team coming off that that pretty ugly uh, loss to the Denmark? You know, they, they seem pretty relaxed, and everyone said the same sort of thing. I don't know if it came across on, on television, but it was it was a tough environment in Aarhus. Uh, I was there. The conditions weren't ideal. Um, weather-wise, uh, players said the field was, was, was pretty bumpy on the night. But, you know, some of the they, they flew into Denmark the day before the game. They'd only had one proper training session. So I think this, this – and, and Denmark's a good opponent. I mean, I think that gets lost in, in all this. They're – they're arguably a better team than the U.S., and they're playing at home. They're ranked higher in the FIFA rankings, not that we put a ton of stock into those. But, uh, you know, a 3-2 loss is, to me, it wasn't the end of the world. Uh, so I know there was a lot of hand-wringing back home. Um, but, uh, you know, some individual mistakes, some marking mistakes that they have to, to clean up. And, you know, talking to talking to Jurgen and talking to some of the players, they said it's pretty hard to, to work out some of the kinks when you don't have a lot of training time. The back line had never played together before so i think that came into it and i think that they'll be a little more cohesive um in this game because they have they've had five days to prepare so um they're going to need to be more cohesive i mean switzerland's a really good team obviously they're they're uh they're a better team than denmark was so uh it's going to be a tough test but i think they might be a little more more together um so you might you might not see as many mistakes in this game but they they, they certainly the players and and the, and the staff certainly don't seem to be dwelling on that last result at all who do you who do you want to see this game? Who 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 are the kind of one or two players that you really want to take a close look at and see how they respond or how, how they take how they take advantage of this next opportunity? Yeah, well, I'm I'm curious to see how many changes there are. I mean, does does Jurgen go with that same back four, go right back to them, or, or does he switch things up? I mean, Greg Garza struggled a little bit in that match. He he admitted as much himself when I spoke to him the other day. So I wonder if. If maybe he comes out, maybe uh, maybe Breck Shea gets another look at left back against uh, a much tougher team than he than he faced uh, in the two games he played there earlier in the year against uh, Chile and Panama. 
Um, so maybe he goes there, and, and I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see Ventura Alvarado maybe going for for Michael Orozco, um, get get a little bit of a longer look there, and we'll see if we see William Arborough, um at some point. I, I don't think he starts, but maybe we see him in the second half. He's looked really good in training this week by all accounts. I saw him make uh, a couple of really solid saves, uh, impressive saves in a row uh, the other day in, in the training session. We got to watch so. It'll be interesting because, you know, you want to see those guys, you want to experiment, but if, if those guys play, then then Jurgen's just switched up, you know, a bunch of guys in the back, which maybe isn't ideal. So it's a, it's going to be tricky. It's it's a little bit of a balancing act, I'm sure, for him between wanting to have some continuity and, and giving some new guys a shot, which is what these friendly matches are for. So I'm curious to see uh, to see how it goes. As you know, Ivis, it's hard to read the tea leaves with, with Jurgen all the time. He plays them pretty close to the vest. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I definitely want to see those guys that you mentioned. Uh, Alvarado, I know a lot of people want to get a look at. Uh, for me, a guy, a guy we've known for a long time, Tim Ream. I'm kind of interested to see if he gets an opportunity. Uh, it's funny because Michael Roscoe played, I thought, played pretty well in that game. John Brooks struggled a bit, but we all know Klinsman is a big fan of John Brooks. John Brooks having a good season in Germany. So you wonder, will he sit Brooks and give Ream a chance? Will he go Ream Brooks together? Uh, I think the center back position for me is one where I'm very curious to see what he does. Because do you sit Orozco, who I thought he played pretty well. He handled himself pretty well. I haven't always been the biggest Orozco kind of fan, but he, I think he's done pretty well with the, with the chances he's gotten. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're not alone in that in Orozco, but I agree. He was their best defender in that game. I think that was that was pretty clear. Um, you know, that was pretty clear. Re- Reem's interesting, and, and I spoke to him a, a little bit yesterday. I mean, he's a left-footed defender, um, and Jurgen seems pretty pretty adamant that he's only going to use left-footed guys uh, on the left side of, of the center-back pairing and right-footed guys on the right side. So that puts Reem in a little bit of a tough spot. Spot because he's got John Anthony Brooks ahead of him, um, and and maybe even Matt Beezer still ahead of him. I think you'd have to think that, that Matt's still ahead of him at, of, at this point. You know, another left-footed defender, even though he's he's not here. Um, so you know, talked to Reem about it yesterday. He said, "Yeah, it's you know, it's tough. It, it is a little bit tough, but it's his job to sort of work his way in." Um, and and we'll see. I, I really don't see him starting over, over John Brooks. I really don't. But but we could potentially see him in the second half. Get a little bit of time. I'm not sure how much Klinsman is a fan of his. I mean, he wasn't even called in the last time the U.S. team was in Europe. He ended up coming in in relief of Brooks when Brooks picked up a knock, uh, and and he came in for the Ireland game uh, back in November. Obviously, you were there, Ivis, so so you remember. And he and he came on, you know, made a cameo late in the game. So. I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to see Reem play a little bit more. Um, I think if the U.S. experiments with a, a three-man backline, I don't think they'll do that in this game. But but going forward, he could be an interesting option um, to play on the left. He, he's played there a little bit in the past. Um, as has well. Uh, sorry, as has uh, has uh, Ventura Alvarado. So so we'll see. We'll see. But but again, you know that that would be another change to that to that backline. So um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Doug, you talk about changes. Uh, Aaron Johansson did score a goal for the U.S. against Denmark, but we're still trying to figure out kind of where he fits best on the field. He's going to be out for this game. I mean, going into Switzerland, the question is, I mean, who's going to be replacing Aaron Johansson? Yeah, that's a that's a tough question. Um, I mean, Aaron's been really unlucky with, with injuries, so it's 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 not ideal uh, for him at all um, to be out for this game. I mean, he wouldn't have started the Denmark game had Clint Dempsey not been injured. Um, so he got a chance to start. It was his first start since 2013, believe it, believe it or not, going back that far. Um, I think it was only his second 
start ever for the national team. And, and I don't think he played particularly well, but obviously scored a goal. Um, and, and he does have a little bit of a, a chemistry with Josie Altidore. I mean, they played briefly together just half a season uh, at AZ a couple of years ago. Um, and, and obviously, you know, combined uh, to, to score that goal, the American second in ours. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good question. I'm not, sure, uh, I'm not sure how it changes things, if it changes the formation a little bit. Um, you know, Jordan Morris uh, came in for him. I, pretty hard to see him getting a start. Um, but you never know. You never know. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, he gets a, a longer look. He's he impressed in that under twenty three match in Bosnia last week. He scored a goal. Morris did. So it's a possibility, but but still, I think a long shot. Uh, so we'll we'll see uh, we'll see what happens. But certainly unfortunate for for Johansson because you had to think that he was going to start this match if he was healthy. Now, now, Doug, in the midfield, uh, the, the, the long-running question has always been, you know, who who will you put next to Michael Bradley uh, to make things work? Uh, this last time around, we saw Alejandro Bedoya uh, play centrally. Now, we know he plays centrally a lot for this club team, hasn't played centrally too much for the national team. Uh, do you think we'll see that again in this game, or will we get a chance to see uh, Williams, Danny Williams, get his opportunity, a guy who's, who's playing really well for Reading? Yeah, yeah, he, he, he could. He could. Uh, it's been a while since Williams has played for the U.S. team. I, my hunch is, uh, and it's just a hunch, is that, that Klinsman goes back to Bedoya. I mean, the interesting thing was w- with that is we were told before the game that Bedoya and Bradley were going to be playing sort of, you know, almost side by side, almost in a, in a pulley system. So, so if, if, if Bradley's ahead, then, then Bedoya sits back a little bit. And, uh, and, and obviously, if, if Michael's back and, and Bedoya goes forward, Michael would cover for him. You know, as the game went on, or, or even right from the beginning, actually, we saw that that, that Bedoya was behind Bradley, um, and it stayed that way for the whole match. And uh, spoke to Alejandro while I was here, and and uh, he he confirmed that yeah, he played as a number six in that match, and he and he says he's never played there before at club level at all, um, or for the national team for that matter. So. Uh, a little bit of a different position for him. Uh, I thought he did all right. He was he was a little quiet, but that's not a bad thing if if a guy's deployed as a defensive midfielder, um, and and he's certainly defensively responsible. I mean, we've seen that even when he's been out on the wing uh, for the U.S. on the right side, which is where he normally plays. Um, so, I think he can handle that role, but he probably just needs a, a, a few more reps uh, there. And and the only way to do that is to is to throw him right back in. So, I. My guess is that he starts, but but uh, I think you'll see Williams at some point. We didn't see him last match. And there's also Alfredo Morales, who did get on the last match, uh, is another option there in the center of the midfield. So, uh, yeah, question marks there as well. Uh, what are the chances that we see Green or uh, DeAndre Yedlin against Switzerland? You know, I think Green's in the doghouse a little bit, to be honest with you. Um, and he's certainly not playing for his club, so he hasn't done anything there that, that would suggest that uh, you know, he, he, he deserves uh, or has earned a chance to get in. Um, he didn't play in the last match. I'm not I'm not overly optimistic he gets in or, or gets meaningful minutes. I could see him, you know, late in the second half. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of substitutions allowed. It's usually six or or, or so in these uh, in these friendly games. The teams agree on that number beforehand. Um, but, you know, both both coaches are going to want to look at as many players as possible. So maybe he gets in. And, yeah, and, and DeAndre's, you know, DeAndre's level has dropped down quite a lot. I mean, everyone everyone says it, and it's no surprise because he hasn't, he hasn't been playing. I mean, he hasn't played a, a competitive match since last November, um, you know, in, in the Sounders' uh, playoff Fauster against the Galaxy. So, 
you know, hasn't got on the field at Tottenham. Don't think he's going to get on the field uh, by the end of the season. They're obviously pushing for a top four spot. So not an ideal situation at all. And and, and I think Jurgen is uh, is a little bit down on both of those guys, to be perfectly honest. I mean, two of his, his, his most promising young players, both guys that were on the World Cup team, both guys that made contributions at the World Cup. You know, Yedlin a little bit more, but obviously Green scoring that, that goal against Belgium. But... Uh, you know, it hasn't been going well lately for either of them. So I'm not sure how much time they get, I think. But I think, uh, you know, Yedlin probably has a better chance of playing than, than than Green does at this point. Why didn't they go to the U23 camp then? Good question. Very good question. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, I mean, uh, the thought is that Jurgen wanted to see them uh, up close and personal. But uh but you never know. I mean, I thought it was pretty funny that he that he said the plan, you know, earlier in the week that the plan was not to send any guys to the to the under twenty threes or the under twenties um, after that first game, and then and then of course uh, he he says afterwards that Rubio Rubin is going, and that, that was the plan. So you know, a little bit of double talk from Jurgen. Not the first time we've seen that, uh, but that's a legitimate question, Garrett. No question about it. It sounds like that's going to be your first question in the press conference today. I don't know. <laughs> you can you can yeah, cre- you can yeah. credit me on that one, Doug, if you'd like. Yeah, I think that's what I'll do, Garrett. I'll I'll, I'll preface my question by saying this this one comes from Garrett cleverly back in uh, in Arizona. What's the overall state of the team? Do you feel it? Because obviously back home, people are in panic mode. People think the team's in shambles, but it sounds like from you that that the team's in like they're 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 in pretty good shape right now mentally, and it's a good vibing camp. Yeah, uh, there's no question about it. I, I I think that, and it's interesting, and you know this well that, you know, sometimes you get a little bit of a different perspective on, on the match when you're there as opposed to watching on TV, where you're sort of at the mercy of what what you you know the cameras show you. So, um, but yeah, you know, the morale in the team seems all right. It seems good. I mean, everyone seems in good spirits. They're getting, you know, the the guys are hanging out. I see them in the lobby. They're they're uh, yeah. They're I don't I don't think they're 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 too uh, they're beating themselves too much. Uh, up too much uh, over that last result uh but you know we'll see i mean we'll we'll get our answer tomorrow um again switzerland's a really really strong team you know a lot of players that are playing in the champions league they're playing at home it's always hard for the u.s to get results in europe so um it's going to be difficult for them to 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 show well tomorrow and to to come away without without losing but uh you know we'll find out we'll see what happens Awesome. Well, thank you, Doug, so much for jumping on the show with us. We'll let you get to the press conference, and uh, we'll catch up with you later. Thank you. All right, guys. My pleasure. Hey, good stuff with uh, Doug McIntyre, Ivis. Nice to have a, a journalist on the scene covering the team. Um, well, quickly, Ivis, before we move on, though, I need a prediction from you for the Switzerland game. What do you think is going to happen? Well, Switzerland's a very good team, and uh, it's really tough to see the U.S. getting a result here. Um, I think it'll be a respectable result. Uh, I mean, I don't think it'll be a blowout. Hopefully, it's not a blowout. Um, but I think Switzerland's going to control this one. I think it'll be. I think we'll see it like a two-zero, a two-zero, pretty comfortable uh, Switzerland win. Not to take anything away from the U.S., but it's just tough to 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 get see them putting it all together, especially with all the guys that are missing. Um, this group is just it's just such an unproven group of guys. Uh, a lot of unproven guys there, and Switzerland we know is the, is the real deal. So I, I'm going to go two-zero Switzerland. Yeah, I'll probably do that too. I'll go two one. U.S. will somehow. F- I'll, I'll, I'll go. With, they'll find a way to sneak in a goal. Breck Shea will score the goal. Oh, nice. There you go. Hey, entirely, <laughs> entirely possible. Yeah, it could happen. Um, one more final thing, Ivis, before we move on to to Major League Soccer. Um, so there is some good news that has come out from the U.S. Men's National Team, and that is uh, Ventura Alvarado is going to stick with the U.S. Men's National Team, which is great news. He's a very young prospect, but he's getting some big time, uh, big time minutes. Excuse me. 
uh, for Club America, and, and this is just great news. I, I understand he was born in the U.S. He should, you know, he should, you know, by, by, by that rule, obviously, he should play for the U.S., but there's no guarantee with that. But still, good news that he will stick with the U.S. men's national team. No, definitely. And uh, again, our, our boy Doug McIntyre with the scoop, he was out there and he talked to Alvarado. Uh, he got Alvarado to, uh, to kind of discuss that after the Denmark game, and Alvarado made it clear he's made his decision. And even though he's not cap tied, uh, he's going to stick with the U.S. And we've seen, and I said it uh, in, in the recent shows, uh, Klinsman is pretty smart because he knows once he gets these guys in the group, it, it's easy to kind of want to stay a part of that group because it's a welcoming environment, it's a friendly environment. These players, when the new player comes in, they embrace them. They bring them in. They, 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 the friendship, the camaraderie, it's a different kind of dynamic with the U.S. team than, say, other teams. It's a different dynamic with American teams in general. I, I know Peter Vermees, we've talked about that in the past, the sporting KC coach, former U.S. national team player. He points it out. You know, Around the world, you, you get a lot of cases where when a new player comes in, they don't necessarily embrace them right away. But in America, that's just kind of the way it is with, the, with American teams and uh, it's just you know you bring the new guy in you see how you see if he's worth how what he's about and then he, and if he's you know if he's worth it uh, embracing you keep him and then if not then you kick him out uh, it, around the rest of the world it's it's kind of the opposite it's like you have to earn your way into the circle so I think Alvarado experienced that and it's good to see that he's going to be around for a while and moving over to Major League Soccer I just made a full slate of games this past weekend as we all know the league does not take a break to coincide with all the international friendlies so we had a lot of uh, a lot of players missing I think I heard like somewhere up to 60 players are missing from this past weekend um, one game where you really didn't have any guys missing because of international duty but due to injury NYCFC sporting Kansas City uh, sporting Kansas City defeated NYCFC at home in, at Yankee Stadium one to zero Icopara uh, with the goal in, in that match and uh, and Ivis says this has been kind of building for, for for sporting Kansas City over the last couple of weeks I mean if you look at the results and you kind of say man they haven't looked that good but when you watch the games I mean sporting Kansas City has been a half a step behind or just one small error away from getting their first victory they pick it up this past weekend and just uh, a very big victory for them on the road no, it was an impressive, uh, impressive performance by them, and and like you, like you said, uh, anyone who hadn't been watching KC and just saw the results might have thought that they're a team that just was struggling, but they really weren't. They had played well. Obviously, the loss against FC Dallas was was marred a bit by a really bad call that that really turned the tide in that game. Um, and then you had the Red Bulls game, which was you know they didn't play great, but they were right there toe to toe with a Red Bulls team that's won two in a row since then. Uh, and so you felt like, you know what, they're they're heading in a good direction. And then, of course, the news before the match, David Villa was a sc- late scratch for that game. And obviously that was a big blow for the for NYCFC. He's such a key figure for them in their attack. Uh, I was there. I was, at Yan- I was at Yankee Stadium. It was freezing. Uh, I was freezing my butt off. And it, but KC, they they played a good game. Aiko Parra was a beast. He he not only did he score that goal, but he was all over the field, uh, dominated play. And uh, KC, man, uh, I, I like the I like the pieces to, to the puzzle they put together there. The goalkeeper Luis Marine, uh, uh, Rogers, who did not play Saturday, but but with an injury. He's been great, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than Dom Dwyer, you know, needing to kind of get out of his <laughs> newlywed jinx, uh, uh, they're, they're going to be all right, man. I tell you what, people are not talking about Sporty KC, but they, they are going to be a force this year. Newlywed jinx? Is that a thing? Uh, I don't know. It seems like it is with Dom Dwyer. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't want to scare you. I don't want to scare you out of uh, out of your uh, your own wedding plans, but I don't know, man. We got to see We got to see if Dwyer can turn it around. <laughs> what, what, what would that impact? Probably... My quality on this show. What else? Actually, it would probably affect my play on Divas FC. That's what would happen, Ivis. 
I don't know if you can play anywhere. So <laughs> I don't think it's very about that. Uh, well, I was actually uh, speaking of Sporting Kansas City. We actually have the goal scorer from this past weekend on the phone with us. That is Ike Opara, and and Ike uh, waking up on Sunday morning. You know, with it building the past couple of weeks, it must be feel pretty good to have not just the goal, but to also have the victory at hand as well. Yeah, it felt very good. Uh, we we knew we were on the brink of getting a W at some point. Uh, I thought we'd improved over the last uh, the first few weeks of the season. Um, so we knew we was, if we kept pushing, um, we were going to get an opportunity to uh, you know break through and get a win. And last time we were fortunate to finally grab one, and thought the guy he's defended well uh, as we've done the last couple of weeks. So uh, hopefully it's coming together. Now, IQ, through your career, you you've, you've been a threat on set pieces. You've been good in the air, but I feel like it. it, it Right now, the past few weeks, you've been as dangerous as maybe since your rookie year when it comes to just being a threat uh, in the attack on set pieces. What, what's what been a difference this year? For me, it's just been, you know, um, all about the mindset. Um, you know, I think I kind of take it as a, as a life and death, life or death uh, kind of role in the sense that, you know, I'm just beating my man and taking pride in, you know, even if offensively, defensively, but just trying to go up and win it. You know, it's, it's not easy because... I know teams try to key on me, you know, they try to rough me up and grab and all those other things. So my, it's my job to get free, and as long as the service is there, which we have great service of the ball, whether it's long throws with Beasler or servers or with, from free kicks or getting uh, like Zeus, um, it's it's my my job to go up and win it. And I know a lot of the guys in the team feel that way. We, we try to be better, and we just try to, to work harder than the team and go after it. Now, like obviously last year was a tough year with the injury and uh and missing the missing most of the season. Uh, w- w- obviously that was a tough period, but having gone through that before, w- w- did that make it any easier missing that time, or, or was it still like a brutal process just having to watch games last year? Uh, well, it was a little bit of a roller coaster at times. Um, you know, I tried to keep my mind off of the injury, and I think this time around that was a lot more mature in the sense that you know I didn't let it run my life. Um, I think previous years I would put pressure on myself to, you know, try to get better, try to come back quick or, or whatnot. Um, I think this time around I had, you know, I did everything the correct way. Uh, listened to my trainers who had some, you know, I put all my faith in them and they and they've 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 steered in the right direction uh, through this whole process. And uh, you know, just try to keep my mind at an even kill as tough as it was, you know, whether it was going back to school or you know trying to pick up new hobbies. Um, so there's some long lines get me off the, off of, you know, the, the times when I felt low, um, trying to keep a positive mindset. Uh, I think this time around, you know, coming off the injury, I finally, you know, approached it in the sense that this is an opportunity and, uh, you know, obviously really moving on. Um, it just kind of opened up the window for me to just t- take every game and cherish it because I don't want to make it sound like every game could be your last, but I mean, in reality it could. And so for me, it hadn't been so many injuries. Um, I just take every game and I enjoy it. And I think I'm having fun, which uh, I think it's been showing in the first part of the season. What was what was Yankee Stadium like uh, last night? Obviously, your first time playing there. What was that like? Yeah, honestly, I didn't, I didn't expect it to be as loud as I got at times. Uh, I thought they had great support. Um, obviously, the field's a little narrow, which I'm sure they don't they don't like that as well. But um, it, it wasn't. It, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't. I was expecting worse. You know, I watched their first game and the ball kind of held up at times, uh, but it wasn't, wasn't nearly as bad this week. So I think they, they made improvements on, along with the playing service. The only thing that was a little different was the dimensions. You know, you've got the outfield and uh, you're along the, at times, the less, less field wall and then wraps up in the field. So it kind of throws off your, your perception of things at times. But 
Um, they have to play on it, and we do too, so it's not like any other team's advantage. Number one, does it feel like eight years ago when you were a freshman winning uh, winning the NCAA tournament? Does that feel like 100 years ago? How, how long ago does that feel? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, actually, you know, it's funny. I, I never won my old college teammate, Marcus Tracy, um, in New York, and we talked about it a little bit, how, how the time has flown by. Uh, but, yeah, it definitely does feel like it's, it's, it's been passing by. Uh, and I'm wondering where the time went, for sure. For sure. Now, now KC seems to have been, have been a really good fit for you. And when when you first went there, when they first traded for you, uh, I, I, I think I remember us having, having the conversation about it. And I, was it really a case of you just kind of needing a fresh start, needing to maybe step away from San Jose? And, and is, it, it, has KC kind of exceeded your expectations? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, I trusted my agent with the decision as well when the interest was there and accepting the trade instead of, you know, opting for the reach draft. Um, I knew I wanted a new change of scenery and I was just looking for the best fit, the best structure. Um, and since I've been here at this club, it's been nothing but sort of greatness, really. I mean, everything's calculated and real well run. Um, I've, I've got no complaints. Really, I owe them for, you know, taking a chance on me and, and bringing me in. Um, and so, I think it's shown over the last, I mean, when I've been healthy, it's shown over these past few years, and I'm just looking to continue that here. You know, like when you first came over, you know, Sporting Kansas City won the championship in 2013. Team took a little bit of a hit last year. Now the team's starting to rebound again. Do you feel like the team has been kind of able to overcome some of those obstacles they faced last year? And do you feel like the team's finally at that level where they were in 2013 right now? Yeah, no, it's, 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 I guess it's a different team. I guess if you look at all three years in the sense that, uh, um, you know, 2012, we were coming off the Open Cup. Uh, the year before, and we wanted to prove ourselves in the league, and I think we did that. And then last year, you know, it was one of those, okay, now teams are going for us as, you know, training champs. Um, and I think we were just, we did fairly well, I think, in the first part of the year, and then things just kind of fell apart with injuries and international call-ups and, and, and just fatigue really wore us down. So I think Peter and, and the staff has um, constructed a good roster for to 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 be able to sustain all the all of the things that could occur in the season. Um, I think, unfortunately, last year we had to go through a little bit of a learning curve up and down because we have a veteran squad in the sense that guys have been around the block and we just simply couldn't stop the, the snowball effect of going downhill. And I think guys wanted to correct that coming in the preseason. The mindset was right. Uh, I mean, everyone's bought into the system and still been bought in. And, and I think as, uh, as the season keeps going on, we all, we'll be getting better and better. You guys now. You guys moved over to the Western Conference this year. A lot of big, a lot of good teams in that conference. Does it almost feel like you guys have, have are, are kind of being overlooked now? Is that you've gone from being the kings of the hill to now no one's no one's really talking about you guys? I, I talked to Peter Vermees about this last night, and he kind of said he likes it like that. Like he doesn't want people to, you know, he wants to stay under the radar. Do you get that sense? You know, it's weird. Yeah, I, I do, and and it's not. It's a, it's almost like a quiet overlook. It's not like people are, are really coming up there saying it or it's everywhere you read or anything like that. But, you know, I think we are kind of sliding under the radar, which is fine. Uh, it's not going to bother us because we know each game is a tough game in this league and uh, every point matters. Uh, but yeah, it's one of those weird things. It's, we, we go from the east to the west, and it's almost like we, we become irrelevant in a weird sense. <laughs> but, you know, we don't mind. It is what it is, and we just go out there each game and try to get a win. Right, well, Ike, before before we let you go, we, we have to ask, you mentioned a little earlier in the interview that you picked up some hobbies last year while you're coming back from the injury. We have to know, what hobbies did you do last year? 
Yeah, when I got back into school, I guess I just got back into reading. I laid off the video games uh, and just tried to do something that activated my mind. I have to ask one more because uh, talking to Peter after the game last night, obviously Peter was singing your praises and everyone's singing your praises. I have to ask you, he said he thinks you're the best player in the league in the air. Now, what, what do you think when you hear that? I mean, who who would you say is in the league is is the best player in the air? Uh, um, I'll, I'll let you guys decide that. One. I don't know <laughs> who would, who gets your vote. Who gets excluding you? Who gets your vote? Um, you know, actually, this might catch you off guard, but a guy that I think is very good in the air, and at times I struggle with, is actually Zach Scott in Seattle. Um, I think he's very underrated uh, in the air. Nice. And then, uh, but if, you know, if, if I'm going off of, you know, I guess a popular decision, I would probably say, man. You know, it's okay, man. You can brag. You don't have to be humble. <laughs> you can say, you can say it's you. You can say you're the, you, you know. Uh, you can... I mean, I put myself up there. I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> what is, what, I don't it, know. what is the vertical? What's the vertical? Have you had it measured? What's, what's the vertical? I'm not sure. You know, you know, you know. Come on, forty six. No. <laughs> all right, all right. Honestly, I don't know anymore. Yeah, you get, you get, to, uh, <laughs> getting old now, so it probably doesn't matter as much. Yeah, I know. It's probably low thirties now. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Humble brag, right there. I like it. I like it. Right. Awesome. Right. Well, I thank you so much for uh, jumping on the show with us uh, today, and congratulations on the win last night. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hopefully, we keep it rolling. Thanks for having me. Hey, good stuff right there. I was from uh, Ike Parra, man. He's he's having a really good season for Sporting Kansas City. It's nice to see also uh, him being able to rebound from from last year's injury. No, I mean he missed the entire year, and I thought it was interesting uh, that it was yesterday's game was uh, uh, pretty much one exactly one year uh, uh, from the other injury. So uh, you know Sunday was the anniversary and. Uh, uh, it is pretty crazy how far he's come, and he, he's really been unlucky with the injuries through his career. Peter Vermees talking I, – I was talking to Vermees last night, and he, he pointed it out. It's like uh, Opara has this uh, reputation now of being injury-prone when the reality is the injuries uh, haven't been – it's it's not a case where he's kind of running in on his own. He, he tears something or he, he breaks something. You know, he's had uh, contact injuries, like major contact injuries uh, that have set him back. And uh, when he's healthy, the guy can play. I mean, he has the tools to be a dominant player. Uh, we've known that since he since he was a, a, a top prospect coming out of Wake Forest, and now we're seeing it uh, firsthand. He's lead. I, I, you know, I wrote a few, big story on him uh, for Gold.com that that dropped on Monday, and and just looking up the stats for him, he is either first or second in the league in like every major defensive stat. Uh, when you look at it, headed clearances, clearances, uh, interceptions, you name it, the guy is dominating. So, I mean, if he can keep that up, uh, there's no telling how, how far Casey can go with, with him and Beasley there. And who knows, at a certain point, maybe Aaron Klinsman is going to have to make a call. Looking around at the rest of the league, New York Red Bulls defeated Columbus Crew and, uh, and Ivis, man. Red Bulls, uh, they continue to stay hot, and uh, they're still first on the Eastern table right now. No, that, another good win for them. Jesse Marsh has the team heading in a good direction. And look, the Columbus Crew, obviously, they were without Will Trap, such a big uh, big part of what they do. Um, but still, still an impressive win. I mean, that's still a good team. And, and if, if you're a New York Red Bulls fan who was on the fence about Marsh, I think I think those, those fans who are still kind of missing Mike Pecky and, uh, and and angry about the decision to get rid of Mike Pecky, I'm not, I'm, it's, it's still early to say those, those fans have been converted, but... 
you know, slowly but surely, Jesse Marsh is showing that he he you know he not to compare him to to, to Pecky, but he is doing a good job. And at a certain point, fans are going to have to start to uh, grade him on what he's doing, and he's doing pretty well. Uh, Dallas and Seattle played to a scoreless draw. This is an interesting one because Dallas went down. Kellen Costa uh, received a red card. Then Seattle had about seventy minutes where they had a man advantage. And, and Ivis, when you look at the stats, zero shots on target for either side, especially Seattle with the man advantage. Uh, not, not the not the best showing from Seattle. Need to take advantage of those opportunities. Oh yeah, this, talk about it, it's crazy when you think about you know a week ago or however many. If you looked at this game, you would have thought, oh, this is definitely a, a marquee matchup. It could be it could be the best game of the weekend. But guess what? International call ups, injuries. Uh, both teams were missing key players. I mean, look at look at Seattle. Uh, they were missing their th- all the you know, three of their best guys: Dempsey, Martins. Uh, Osvaldo Alonso, FC Dallas was missing more Diaz, Blas Perez. So it's like you took like the five, six best players that could be in this game, and they were all missing. And we were left with a pretty forgettable game. We needed no shots on goal. That's absurd. Uh, I, what I will say with Seattle, I know some people say um, uh, they had all, they were missing a lot of guys, so that's why they couldn't put this game away, even they were even though they were upper man. But this is the second game now where they've got uh, their opponent has gotten a red card and they have not been able to capitalize and at a certain point you need to be able to capitalize and that's two games now two games so uh, you know Siggy Schmidt he's he's got to get get on that drawing board and and try to figure out a way to to get his team to take advantage of these situations cuz that's points that they're dropping uh that are not helping them in a western conference where you know what they want to finish first and 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 it's a tough race there we also like picked up the first vin- picked up the first vi- victory of the season. Excuse me, uh, defeating Toronto FC at home two to one. Young Jordan Allen uh, with the goal in the 89th minute for this one, and uh, and Ivis. I mean, we also like once again showing that that at home, and you got to play to the final whistle when you're playing Real Salt Lake. Talk about a crazy ending to that game, huh? It, it was you know it was moving along pretty well, and then you obviously had the the. Uh, the completely blown uh, offside call that 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 cost TFC uh, what would have been a goal. Um, RSL, you know, RSL came away with the win, and you you could argue that you know were they the better team? I think they were. Um, but TFC has a gripe, and it's becoming a trend. You know, it's becoming a trend, and I feel like I've joked about this before, but it's almost as if. TFC's made a deal with the devil where yeah, you know, MLS lets them spend as much money as they want, but as a balance, as a counterbalance to them just blowing away the salary structure in the league, they're going to have at least one bad call a week called against them, and, and, and it's crazy. Uh, I still say the Justin Moore red card was a joke against Columbus, and I'll say this. They, they, they were a, a goal that they should have gotten a goal. A goal was taken away from them uh, that they should have been theirs. Now, having said that, TFC has only themselves to blame when they score and, and, and you know, they get that goal at the end, Jackson's goal, and then they fall asleep. Uh, RSL comes right back down. Jordan Allen, who you know very well, uh, you know, scores that goal. And I think, if anything, you might not hear the complaints as loud from TFC because they have to know they let it get away. They, they had their fate in their hands, and they blew it. Uh, Vancouver defeated Portland 2-1. to one, And I just don't look now. I know it's early, but when you look at the Western Conference standings, guess who's number 10 right now in the Western Conference? <laughs> who's number 10 in Portland the Portland Timbers. What is going on, Ivis? Well, uh, you know what? Vancouver. Colorado, Colorado is ahead of them. Let's start with Vancouver. Number one. Vancouver's playing really well. I'll give them credit. That, you know, they've, Carl Robinson's gotten his team off to a good start. 
Uh, they're doing really well. As far as Portland, it, the schedule. Look at the schedule. The first couple of games, they've had a tough schedule. I think they've played well in games that they definitely could have gotten a result, and they have it. Now, this game, this particular game, not a great showing from them. Um, as far as the games that they've played this year, you know, I think they've deserved results, that, that better results than they've gotten. This game, uh, you know, you can, you can kind of give it to Vancouver. Vancouver, better side on the day. Uh, but we can't forget Portland's missing key guys. Valeri, Will Johnson. Uh, once they get those guys back, I think then you'll see a different team and, and, and we'll see how, how it goes from there. But I'm sure Caleb Porter is not happy. Uh, with the state of things, but you know, is it panic mode time yet? Nah, I, I still, I still don't think it's panic mode time. They they've lost to some good. T- they they've dropped points against some very good teams. So you know what? They they just have to turn it around. Uh, DC United scored very late in the 93rd minute, to be exact. Chris Pontius with the game-winning goal, and, and DC defeated LA Galaxy at home. Big victory for them, Ivis. No, they absolutely they needed this result, especially coming off of the the embarrassing loss uh, at Red Bull Arena. Where they just really came out flat, and Ben Olsen ripped into his team. You, you kind of knew DC would kind of rebound, um, and then it didn't hurt that they had they played an LA Galaxy team that was you know obviously had to travel across country, didn't have Keen and Zardis. I mean that's that's you know two two big pieces to the puzzle in their attack. Um, but DC man, they got to win. Chris Pontius late. If it would if if they would have had to settle for a, a draw. Uh, you would have had to come away a little disappointed because, again, LA was missing their two of their big guns, uh, and we'll see what DC can do now to build off of that. Um, you know, I still there still are questions about their attack and, and 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 them being able to generate goals. Obviously, it took them ninety plus to get the one goal that they got. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if this you know becomes a, a momentum builder for uh, for DC and uh, Orlando City. Uh, Picked up an, an impressive result. Yes, it was a draw, but when you look at the at, at the game, I was Montreal Impact went up two zero. Uh, Jack McInerney and Ignacio Piatti had goals in this one, and then Orlando came screaming back. Pedro Ribeiro had a goal, and then Kaká had a goal. And for Orlando, who who I think I saw somewhere going into this game had maybe one or two shots on goal. I mean, this is a nice result for Orlando City, who are, who are starting to find themselves in Major League Soccer. Well, I gotta say, Garrett, if there was a performance that impressed me. Uh, Sporting KC's impressed me, but but Orlando City with the the team that they took to uh, to, to Montreal, with with all the players they were missing uh, due to international duty. I mean, they had like three or four guys on their bench. They didn't even have a full bench, uh, and they step up and they get a result up there. Kaká working his magic, and you got to give Adrian Heath some credit there. Uh, you know, he 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 put together a group uh, to get a result even with all the players they were missing. Due to international duty, and I got to say, I didn't see that happening. I didn't see Orlando traveling up to Montreal, shorthand, severely shorthanded, and getting a result. Um, even though, look, Montreal, I know some people. You're not going to say Montreal is a powerhouse in the league just yet, just because they're doing well in CC in the in the Concacaf Champions League. But Orlando, give them credit. That's a big result, and that, I think even though look, it wasn't all three points, but that's the kind of result that can help a team really gain some momentum. Uh, in the final matchup of the weekend, Chicago defeated Philadelphia Union. Uh, one to zero. If you watch this game on Sunday, you clearly had nothing better to do. <laughs> yes, the, the aka the less... I had nothing better to do on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I would say, look, Philadelphia is a, is a bit of a head scratcher for me. I think the talent that they have on that team, uh, they should be getting better results. And and Jim Curtin really needs to sort that out. Uh, it's it's a really rough start to the season for them. I just I just think with the talent they have, they should be doing better. Um, Philadelphia is a mess right now, man. They have a lot of problems. Yeah, I don't know what's going on Midfield there, man. Midfield is disconnecting, just simple well, man marking in the box. There's just so many things wrong with them right now. 
Yeah, man. I mean, it's 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 not looking good for them. And well, you know what? They're they're going to be playing NYCFC uh, a couple of games in a few weeks, and you know they they don't want to fall too far behind the pack in the East because I think the East is uh, is going to be the, the the fight for those last spots in the East is going to be a tough one. I just want to point out, didn't I say I'd say I said Philadelphia finished last in the Eastern Conference, and I got a lot of slack for that. Guess who's hey. last in the Eastern Conference? I was. Philadelphia. It's March. It's March, man. Care, it's man. March. It's March. Settle down. It's March. And look, you know what? You might have been right on Philly. Um, uh, just because right now they look a mess. So, so we'll see. But again, it's early. It's early. You know, sometimes it takes a bit to, for things to click. Uh, but yeah, I, I got nothing on that one. I, I really thought they'd be a little better to start the season. And there was some bad news that did come out over the last week. Uh, Cameron Porter, young rookie for the Montreal Impact, he's going to be out for the season uh, after he's going to have surgery to repair an ACL tear. Uh, he looked good early on, and this is just unfortunate news for a very young player to already be missing uh, he, you know, the rest of the season with, with an ACL injury. Yeah, that's a tough blow. I mean, we talked about it the last show about the the likelihood that he was going to miss this kind of time. Uh, and I think it was interesting watching Tommy McNamara play for NYCFC on Saturday. And, you know, he, he, he didn't quite look the same just yet. And it's going to take a while. And hopefully hopefully Porter can can, can have his uh, time to heal and, and, and get back. Because I tell you what, he was looking really good, looking like a real breakout rookie. Uh, and uh, And, you know, we wish him all the best. Uh, also this past weekend, I was, Frank Lampard was at Yankee Stadium to watch NYCFC. Uh, he is not coming to Major League Soccer early, and, and I'm guessing that's because he saw the uh, poor field condition and, and the loss, I'm guessing, right? <laughs> Maybe he felt the cold and said, no, I can't, I can't, I can't get here until it's nice and hot and sunny. <laughs> uh, no, but you know what Jason Christ uh, said uh, during the week? He said that he, you know, th- there are no plans to have him come early and and I know that there were reports out of England saying that he might he might come early since you know Manchester City season is pretty much done. I know their I know their fans will argue that they could still finish first. They could maybe catch Chelsea. Listen folks, it's not happening. There's no trophies for them. They're done. Uh and with Lampard not getting much playing time, you figure why not just let him go already? But, you know, I think he wants to he wants to finish the year out. Get get some rest after that, and then and then come in, you know, refreshed uh, in the summer to NYCFC, and uh, I think that's fine. I think that you know, right right now, and even though they just lost, obviously they were missing a lot of guys, but I think NYCFC will be okay without Lampard until then, and then once he comes in there, that's going to give them a big boost. Uh, also, Xavi, obviously, there were reports, but he is not coming to MLS. It's too bad. Would been great to see him. Yeah, it's done, man. You know, and you had to know something was up when Jason Christ uh, <laughs> came out and, and made some comments like, yeah, I don't know if it, it would be a good idea to bring Xavi to our, our team. I don't know if it's a good fit. And, it, and people were like, what is this guy talking about? And then a day later, what do you know? Xavi's signing somewhere else. So I think I think by then, they, they you know, the ship had sailed. And it's unfortunate because I, I think most people uh, would agree that it would have been great to have Xavi in MLS. And, and I know that a year ago he was close to signing and uh, he even – Xavi said it himself that he was ready to come to NYCFC, and then Barcelona came back, made him an offer. You know, he he couldn't refuse. He could he couldn't leave Barcelona just yet, and it's unfortunate. Um, but you know what? Look, Qatar they can throw ten million, eight nine million dollars at a player like that. MLS uh, they could spend that, but they're choosing not to. And and I don't know if that's a bad thing. You know, I don't know if MLS should be spending eight nine million on a player uh, who's that who's at that point in his career. And look, Xavi's a legend. No one's saying he's not. But if you're MLS, you know you kind of be you have to kind of be a little prudent about about spending. And I know some people will say, "Oh, you're what do you mean? Oh, now you want to be prudent after you gave Josie Altidore six million? I mean, I get that. But American stars, I think that's a whole other thing. If you can bring a young American player back, you mm-hmm. you, you pay what you pay what you have to pay. 
but it, 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 in the end, it's it's uh, I'm a little down. I, I'm sure most people are who lo- who 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 love love Xavi as a player. It would have been great for him to be in MLS. Uh, moving over to the Americans abroad front in the latest edition, Ibis of Where in the World is Freddie Adu? Kind of like you know Carmen San Diego. Uh, Freddie Adu joined his 11 team in 11 years, signing a contract with Finnish side KUPS. Uh, you know, I think the one thing Ivis, everyone's going to be asking, is this a good move? Or more importantly, will he actually be getting playing time? Well, that's a big question, you know, and I, I, it's hard to say uh, because, look, he's had these other opportunities. I mean, he was in Serbia uh, and you would have figured, oh, he's going to play in Serbia. And then he didn't get a minute. Uh, so the, the hope is, yeah, the hope is that, that he will get some steady playing time and slowly but surely resurrect his career, and he needs that. He needs some playing time, and I know some people are going to roll their eyes and say, "Oh, we've been hearing this for years and years now." It's you know, it's been it's been three years now since he left the uh, Philadelphia Union, and 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 you know, he went to Brazil. Uh, he 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 tried the whole thing with Blackpool. Then he went to Serbia. He's been bouncing around looking for playing time, and he hasn't been able to find it. And hopefully, for his sake, uh, this Finland move works out for him and kind of gets him heading in the right direction. And he's still just what is he? Twenty six years old. He's still young, uh, relatively speaking. The question is where? You know, what's the motivation right now for him? Is he completely one hundred percent motivated and committed to to resurrect his career? Or is he getting to a point where he's thinking, oh, you know what, maybe it's time to, to, to think about hanging up. I think that's crazy. I think at his age, he should still keep pressing on, pushing on. Uh, because, I, I mean, I happen to think the guy's got talent. I think he does. And I know some people say, oh, you know, he hasn't played. The skill that, that we have seen from him in the past, uh, I don't think you lose that. I, I, I think it, it, the motiv- if, if the motivation is there... He could still be a player, and and we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, in NASL in in the world of NASL. Excuse me. Uh, this is an interesting one. Ivis Haji Wright, the U seventeen player for the U S national team, is signing with the New York Cosmos. I mean, what do you make of this deal? I was a little surprised by it. I got to say, um, uh, but let, let's think of it this way. You know, I know people were talking about the CBA and how would it how would it affect um, how would how would it affect negotiations in the future? How would it affect the league? Uh, with the whole uh, what you know, free agency and everything. Now, if you're a player like Haji Wright, uh, and do you want to sign in MLS with the like, say, with the Galaxy? I believe he was the Galaxy uh, in their system. And if things don't work out, they have your rights until you're 28 years old. I mean, is that is that is that a system you want to go get into? Um, and what kind of playing time could you even guarantee yourself uh, in MLS? Uh, and again, not to not to say he's guaranteed to step in and start for for the Cosmos either, but. Um, the impression you get is that the Cosmos made him a good offer. He sees the structure there. He hears the good things about uh, about the coach, uh, the coach there, who Savarisi, who's uh, you know MLS was after. Uh, you know the Houston Dynamo offered him a job, and then you have Raul. You get to learn from and play with Raul, a legend. So I mean, I think I, I could see the things that that would have made Wright go there. I mean, we don't know what kind of offers he had in Europe, but for me, I don't. I, I think it's a good sign, and and I think it's great for NASL. I think that's the direction NASL needs to go in. They need to start going after college talent and offering them up the opportunity to play and and youth talent top end youth talent get, uh, offering them the opportunity to play in in the u.s and get playing time and i know usl is an option now but i think nasl is a bit of a better one if they can step up financially and make it worth those players while and speaking of nasl joining us on the phone right now is the head coach of minnesota united fc manny lagos manny how you doing today good thank you very much 
and thank you for jumping on the show with us. We first off have to congratulate you on on your franchise now being awarded the next Major League Soccer uh, expansion slot. I mean, have you had a chance to to pinch yourself or to slow down and kind of be able to, you know, bring everything into perspective, you know, being a hometown guy, being with Minnesota Thunder as a kid, and now being a part of the organization for so long. Have you had a chance to kind of slow down and realize everything that has transpired over the last uh, two weeks? Um, well, we got back from Brazil uh, Monday. Actually, no, it's like Tuesday morning. And then uh, the press conference was Wednesday. So it's been a busy week, but uh, certainly a special one. No doubt about it. Um, you know, I, I'm one of the uh, guys who... Grew up in St. Paul and believes in the Twin Cities and, and have seen uh, the growth of soccer in the market and the excitement, particularly since Doc McGuire uh, took over ownership and gave us a vision uh, to try to grow and build. And ultimately, you know, the platform uh, for the club is to try to be the best in North America. And, and you know, currently we're in the NASL and, uh, you know, it's, uh, as soccer grows in this country, it becomes possible for us to, to grow the club and, and nonetheless possibility became one that was uh, important to him and I think our fan base too has shown a lot of loyalty in terms of believing in, in the club and doing what we're trying to do. Um, Manny, how uh, how quickly did this all kind of come together? Obviously it, it took its time but I, re- I remember uh, just I think it was just two years ago talking uh, talking to Nick uh, Rogers about the state of the team, what what the future held, and at that point it, it seemed like maybe an idea MLS but it didn't seem like something that was going to happen soon. Uh, so I guess in two years, it all kind of came together relatively quickly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I think one of the things, anybody that watched live our press conference or, or was there or present, I, I hope they got a sentiment of um, of Minnesota and what it's about and, and your unique specialness. You know, we are proud people about our, our community um, and about what we're, we're about. And, you know, a lot of the press comes was about the legacy of the last couple decades of, of what soccer has been in the past, uh, what it is now, and what it can be in the future. And, you know, the last couple of years, um, there was some serious drama on a higher level played out. And obviously, the Vikings were building a new stadium, uh, football specific, indoor turf. Uh, and I think they were really pushing for uh, soccer to be used for that facility. Um, you know, it's just amazing, though, because where soccer is in this country, with soccer-specific stadiums now becoming much more relevant and important for a club, uh, combined with our ownership group, just growing. Uh, we've added the Twins, we've added the Timberwolves, a couple other local uh, owners who are, are really into our community. Um, I think they saw a chance for soccer to be bigger than just playing in a football stadium and like the vision of what uh, United was about, you know, the fact that United really grasped on the legacy of Thunder and the Stars and now United. All of those things, I think, really played a big part in this growing swell of optimism about what the next step is from Minnesota United. And ultimately, the decision was to go to MLS, uh, and it was a great one because I think, you know, we're a unique club and I think we'll enter MLS more unique than probably any other expansion team in the history of uh, MLS. You've, uh, you've, You've been the, the head coach at Minnesota United since 2010. Uh, as you mentioned, that the team has had its ups and downs with you at the helm for the last five, five, five seasons. Um, what have you learned and, and what have you taken a, away from everything over the last five years as you guys will now, now move on to Major League Soccer? Well, I, I, I still think there's two sides. You know, there's the sporting side where, um, you know, as a coach and sporting director, I feel like I'm always growing and learning and trying to evolve and trying to absorb the fast-changing pace of the game itself, and then also 
uh, within our country. And the demand for trying to uh, be successful uh, in a market and in a country that still is not the top sport. So um, the challenge is there every day. Uh, I do like to tell people that I still think one of the unique things about this situation was I think the guys and the work they've done over the years and success we've had on the field has had an impact in how we're growing and how we're deciding to move forward as a club and, and the kind of ownership group we have. So uh, certainly on that level, uh, there's a ton of pride. It's pride for uh, Minnesotans, for the fans, for the people who have been supporting uh, the club for the last several years, and, and a big pride for the players because they've really um, embraced us, the vision, of, again, regardless of what league we're in, of trying to be a, a top-level team in North America. Um, in terms of the business side, yeah, I've seen it all. I've seen it, it's a tough business to try to uh, you know, build and grow uh, in a crowded sports market like the Twin Cities. Um, ultimately, I think, uh, you know, the the vision, uh, particularly with Dr. McGuire, saying, hey, we really believe in soccer, not just as a sport for the nation, but how it integrates into the fabric of the Twin Cities community. I think that was a turning point because that's why he decided to invest in this because he sees the value of this great global game and how it enhances uh, our community. Um, you know, he is very much a philanthropic guy. You know, he's invested a lot of money in the arts community and to our parks. Um, and again, I think he really sees currently the value, but for sure the future value of how soccer will be a great part of our great sports market we now have in the Twin Cities. Now, many the the announcement just just went down, and it's going to be uh, a few years now before before the, the move is made. So it just the timing of it's kind of uh, interesting because now you have here's your new season about to kick off here this uh, ne- next weekend. Uh, you've got a few years before you make that move, but yeah, you, you, you know the focus is now. How 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 tough step been to kind of manage that and 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 juggle that just. Uh, everything that's gone down recently and also preparing, you know, obviously the, the, the main thing, preparing your team for this upcoming season. Sure, sure. I mean, ultimately, things on the field, like I said, the, the, the nice thing about the situation is the guys in the field are what I think are really making us a special club. Um, and ultimately, that starts with us winning championships and winning trophies and being competitive and putting great product out there. Um, that doesn't change for the next couple of years. Our expectation is that our fans know uh, we're going to try to put the best team uh, out there possible to win championships and, and to grow our product. And we want that type of fans. We want those kind of fans to grow uh, with us as we prepare for MLS. So, also, I'm super excited. I think we've got a great roster this year. I think we've added a couple key pieces uh, to make us even better, hopefully, than last year. Um, we've got some great young core Americans who are really uh, giving us some excitement, I think, for the future of American soccer. Now, obviously, I know, I know you're one of the big, uh, biggest proponents of, of NESL and defenders of it. Anytime, you know, anytime someone wants to say something about the league, you're, def- you're definitely right there to step up and, and defend it. How, how have you seen it grow, and do you think it's it's grown stronger than maybe people realize in, the, in recent years? Well, I, I just think, you know, we just got back on a 12-day trip in Brazil, and it's a country of 200 million people, not 300 million. Uh, and it's, it's a little bit different that soccer is the number one sport by far uh, in secondary sports uh, coming way far behind. But um, there are some similarities in terms of the size and in terms of the scope of the country. And I, I look at our here and how we still need to make sure we embrace and push soccer on all levels, push it to be in the fabric of everything we're doing. So our baseline of the amount of high-level quality players we have uh, hopefully someday will be like Brazil where they're 
importing, exporting enormous amounts of talent both ways. And we're not quite there yet, but uh, I would say uh, particularly with the MLS and how it's growing and it's bringing, uh, making a global footprint on, on its brand, um, that's exciting. Like I said, and I, I think there's other leagues like the NFL, USL, uh, PDL, NPSL, college soccer, the uh, U.S. Development Academy, uh, all those things I think are going to play a major role. And I think if you're a U.S. soccer fan, all of those have to be uh, embraced and pushed uh, in a good way to continue to find avenues for us to, to develop and, and find players and give players the chance to develop. So ultimately, like I said, I, I'm a big believer that we are such in the beginning stages of hopefully growing into the kind of soccer power that we all envision and want to be. Um, and again, if, if I localize it to us, uh, we're incredibly excited because we do feel, um, you know, uh, humbled and honored uh, that MLS wants to uh, have us join the league. Uh, and we are also excited to be a part of that brand to grow our club. You know, last year you bring in Christian Ramirez, and right away he forms a outstanding partnership with Miguel Ibarra. When you when you brought him in, did you expect these two guys to have the season that they were going to have last year? Well, I mean, I think they're a little bit two different guys. I think Christian, um, you know, sometimes you, you, you create your own luck in, in circumstances. Happy. We had one of our goals scored, Pablo Capos, that went down with an ACL injury. Um, and a door opened for Christian, and he smashed it open, and he um, certainly was on our roster for a reason because we, we saw something in him both as a person and a player that got us excited about his young talent. And, um, you know, he exceeded all expectations and, and had a great year at, uh, as a great guy, you know. And, and part of his uh, new mountain decline is this new year now that people know him and, and know his qualities, you know. Um, I really believe he is one of the more talented young players in America right now, and, you know, having had that kind of spotlight on him, uh, it's now for him to kind of continue to grow and uh, use that spotlight to even become a better player. Um, Miguel's a little bit different. You know, Miguel is somebody that we've had since he was a, a rookie uh, professional soccer player. And I would say he's a little more, uh, I think, like our club in terms of uh, how he's grown, like our club's grown in terms of uh, professionalizing ourselves, making sure we're, we're being competitive in every game that we play. Um, and ultimately, I think the recognition Miguel gets is an example of his work early in his professional career trying to hold me on what he was good at, his valuable skills he has, his skill set. And um, it's very similar to the maybe the rise of the club. And um, I would say in both ends, uh, you know, like I said, those things don't just happen because you want them to happen. I think they happen because there's a lot of good people uh, putting time in. And, you know, at the end of the day, for Miguel, it happens because he's a very good player. Now, Manny, a, a lot of people will know you as 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 the successful coach in NASL. Uh, some younger folks might not remember your playing days, even though you're a young guy. You're still pretty young. Uh, you were in the you were in MLS for quite a bit. You you were on some some pretty uh pretty special teams. You were also part of the Metro Stars the first couple of years. What what is your kind of fondest memory of your years as a player in MLS? You know, it's it's it's. Unique because obviously I started out and I had a major injury which really kind of took my MLS year, early years and really almost had to retire. I had an ACL, LCL, MCL injury, Metro Stars in the world. So, and it kind of took me two years to come back. And that first year at the fire when we won the championship, and I didn't get to actually participate a lot in the field because of I was recovering from those injuries still. Um, it was a great time for me, a great time for me to see as a player. Um, and remind myself, you know, I might never be the same player as prior to the injury, but there's a lot of different ways I can 
grow and affect uh, a team to get better. And certainly from that, you know, my years in San Jose where we won two championships and I feel like a, probably one of the more dominant home teams over three years span, I was still enjoying it. So I think those are really memorable. And uh, certainly those two championships are very memorable, uh, unique in different ways, but I think very special for us and for Northern California. Uh, well, just one last one for me. Uh, one, one more on the upcoming season. Uh, who, who, obviously, you're one of the favorites uh, in the league this year. But uh, for people who, who may not know NASL so well, who, who would you, who do you see as kind of the teams to beat, or, or the teams that you think you're going to have the toughest challenge this year? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's a very competitive league. There's a lot of season pros in our league, so you have to be prepared every day to play against uh, quality competition and, and frankly, uh, season pros for the most part. So there's no doubt the Cosmos, um, you know, have established themselves as a consistent uh, team that we uh, challenge ourselves against. Uh, I think Tampa's new roster, new stadium renovation, uh, and certainly they've got some really uh, good players that Thomas has brought in. Um, I think they're going to be a, a, a much better opponent than they were last year. Um, you know, certainly it's going to be intriguing to see how Jacksonville does. Indy had a very tough year, uh, but I think they've learned from a lot of things last year and they're coming much more confident about competing. Um, certainly you can't ignore the defending champions in San Antonio who are always competitive and always have a, uh, sorry, tough to play home or away. So it's exciting. Like I said, you know, there's a lot of uh, parity in the league and it's a, it's a challenge to be up. Oh, Manny, thank you so much for jumping on the show with us t- tonight, and we wish you uh, continued success at NASL. And good luck, not this weekend, but next weekend when you guys open up the season against the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Yeah, we do. Thanks, guys. Like I said, you know, it's, it's nice to do this kind of interview. It, it really was a special week. Like I said, anybody can go back and watch the press conference and, and hopefully see the sense about this. That, uh, you know, I, I kind of been doing a lot of media appearances this weekend. And one of the more touching moments for me was when our owner um, that took the stage to uh, talk to Don and accept uh, the expansion franchise. Uh, he teared up, you know, and then, like I said, that was a, a moment where, you know, it kind of took me aback about what he's trying to do here, the belief he has, and I think the players in our team. And he, he teared up because he believes that he really does in our community what we're trying to do. So, Exciting time, you know, very historic for us in Minnesota, and we're looking forward to uh, to being a part of even more of the landscape of soccer. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see Minnesota United in Major League Soccer, mainly because, dude, let's face it, they have the coolest-looking uniforms and an awesome-looking crest. <laughs> is that really is that, that what you go by? I mean that and some other reasons. But, they play. But that's, they that's play. A, they, look, they play attractive soccer. They they, they have a great uh, fan base there. Uh, it's great that they're going to be heading to MLS, but look, an ASL season is is, is around the corner. It's uh, next weekend; it kicks off, and I think people need to start paying some more attention to NASL. I think the quality is improving, and and even though MLS is taking uh, taking teams uh, seemingly every every six months, they're grabbing an NASL team. I think I think there's something happening there that that uh, is good for the it's good for American soccer to have another league. Uh, to to kind of push MLS and and compete with MLS and then it's obviously not a direct competition because MLS obviously has has bigger financial backing and, and it's just a bigger league but I think it keeps MLS on its toes and it's good for MLS to be kept on its toes by a league that, that is pushing the envelope that is going to go 
after players like Ahaji right um uh, it, it's it, it's only a good thing and i know i know there is this kind of resentment or sentiment like negative sentiment about NASL as this inferior league as this league that that can hurt mls it doesn't no competition is a good thing mm-hmm. and in 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 lieu of in lieu of uh, you, you, we're not going to see a promotion relegation it's not it's not happening and and with failing absent of that the next best thing you can have is NASL on its own, growing and 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 improving and thriving, and that will force MLS to get better. I agree, hundred percent, man. And like you said, competition is always a good thing. Everything in life forces everyone to step their game up. Uh, with that, I guess we wrapped up episode number two hundred of the SBI show. Three guests, jam packed show. Thought we did a pretty good job. Anything else we need to talk about? Cover before I let you go for the day. Nah, that's it. I think that's it, man. I think it was a good show. It was, good. It was great to have uh, Ike Parra on, a guy you know who I've covered since his, his college days, and and obviously Manny Lagos, who, who's really, I mean, I know uh, MLS fans and a lot of American fans might not know who he is, but he is a really smart guy. He is really one of the the true kind of brains in the in, in American soccer that that is a little overlooked by people, and and I think it's going to be great to see how he does. Once he once uh, Minnesota Minnesota uh, enters MLS because I think this is a guy who maybe five years from now five plus years from now people are going to be saying man this guy is 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 a hell of a coach where did he come from and the, and the thing is he's been here he's coaching he's still pretty young he's only he's only forty three and he's already put uh, you know had himself a nice coaching career he, he I'm telling you what, he is a guy who has who's gonna I think he's gonna do really well down the road and then of course Doug McIntyre. Getting dug on, my, my my guy, my boy. We go way back to covering the Metro Stars, you know, over a dozen years ago. So you know, he's he's my, he's one of my day one guys. So it was great to get him on, and obviously he's one of the best in the biz as well. That doesn't hurt either. So I think it was a great show. I think it was a great show. Uh, you know, I, I I love the guests that we got, and hopefully, hopefully, we can start making this a more regular thing and getting guests on on a more regular basis. Agree, hundred percent. All right, Ivis, we'll. Uh I'm going to let you go for the day. You have a good rest of the week. And then you and I will touch base later this week. We'll uh, preview MLS Week 5. We'll also recap the U.S. men's uh, potential loss to Switzerland and, and other uh, <laughs> soccer news throughout the week. All right, man? Yes, sir. All right. And ev- as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the reviews. If you have not reviewed us on iTunes lately, we would appreciate it. Go to SBI's show on iTunes. That is Ivis Galarsef. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBI Show.